every time God is getting ready to bless you, he first brings you the opportunity to be a blessing. The world tries to steal that. What the world is telling you is you deserve, you deserve to be taken care of. You deserve uh, something free. You, boy, you deserve it. God's opposite. God says, if you want something, pray that I will show you how to be a blessing. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. Don't worry about that. That's what Gentiles worry about. Now, Gentiles means non-Jews are those without covenant. So you and I who have Jesus, we have been grafted in, and we are heirs to the promises of Abraham. Amen? So through Jesus, we have a covenant through the blood of Jesus. We have a blood covenant for prosperity. When Adam was thrown out of the Garden of Eden, God said, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eke out an existence. In Hebrew, it says that God divorced himself from mankind from being Jehovah Jireh. He cursed the ground with thorns and thistles. Then they took the thorns and they put it on the brow of Jesus. We're cursed by the sweat of Adam's brow. We're redeemed by the blood on Jesus' brow. And so now we have a covenant with God that he will once again be Jehovah Jireh. When Jesus says, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, he wasn't talking to Gentiles. He wasn't talking to Christians. He's talking to Jews. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. If you won't be the light, you're good for nothing. Now that we are grafted in what Jesus was saying to the Jews, he's now saying to us. But in order to understand what Jesus is saying, we have to read it not as somebody from Rome, but somebody from Israel. So when Jesus said, don't you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to understand what that means in Hebrew. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But then it says, and his righteousness. So when the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, find out what I'm doing and do it, and his righteousness, we ought to live righteous. But the word righteous in Hebrew, in this meaning, is the word stedkah. And the word stedkah means kindness or charity. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what, where, you, where you're going to live, what you're going to eat. But seek what God is doing and seek God for the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. Remember when the widow brought in her mites? Jesus didn't stop her and say, oh, no, no. Don't, oh, no, listen, we don't need your, your, your nickel. She gave, she gave sacrificially. There are three ways you give in Judaism. You give first fruits, which is Passover, Pentecost, which is this Sunday, and then Sukkot, uh, Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. You give tithe. The third way is stedkah, charity. 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what those scriptures mean. 
Three times a year we come before the law. We don't come empty-handed. But in Judaism, ancient Jewish wisdom, let's say a person is the widow's mite or the beggar. And they go, we, we have no first fruit. We didn't prosper. We didn't even have a job. We're a beggar. We have no first fruit. We have no tithe. Your, your excuse, if you're a beggar on the street, you're excused from first fruits. You're excused from tithing. But no one in the world is excused from helping somebody else because there's always somebody poorer than we are. So when the Lord says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Lord, what is your will? What's your will? And his righteousness, seek a way to be a blessing to somebody else. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, or you fool, shall be in danger of counsel. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. People say all the time the word of God has no heirs in it. And that's absolutely true. God's word has no heirs in it. Man's translation of it has a lot of heirs in it. So here it says, just a side note, it says, if you say to your, your, your brother, you fool, you're in danger of hellfire. And the original translation, which I've seen, doesn't say hellfire. It says Gehenna. Gehenna is a valley that flowed from the Temple Mound down towards Jericho to the desert. Jerusalem is some of the most expensive real estate you can find. To this day, the valley of Gehenna has nothing built in it. Nothing on its sides, nothing built in it. Because before the Jews occupied Israel, that valley is where the pagans sacrificed children to the false gods. Moloch. So they would sacrifice babies there. And in ancient Jewish wisdom... You cannot build a home, a business, a city, or a country on any land where children's innocent blood was sacrificed. So America needs to think about that. When we vote for somebody who is pro-abortion. And I'm going to give account for what I say, but I'm going to give account for what I don't say. And you got to understand... If, if I murder somebody, in the eyes of God, I'm guilty. If I hire somebody to murder somebody, I'm just as guilty as if I did it myself. It's a dangerous place that our country is in when we will vote for a city councilman or a mayor or a governor or a senator or a congressman or a president or a vice president and say, I know that you're pro-abortion and you're going to kill kids, but I'm going to get something free out of this. And so I'm willing to mullock. I'm willing to sacrifice. We can, God says, I will not allow anything built. And so we got to understand how important that is. So why did they change this from Gehenna to Hellfire? Gehenna, the valley of Gehenna, became the rubbish dump. It became the place that they would 
throw their trash and their garbage and their dead animals or whatever in there. And Jesus is using this as an illustration, not saying hellfire, but saying Gehenna. And he's using the illustration is that every time we begin to fight amongst each other, it opens the door for the enemy to come in. And when the enemy comes in and defeats us, he doesn't even bother giving us decent burials. He would take the human bodies and throw them into the valley of Gehenna because that burned 24-7 and it was burning all the trash and everything. And he's giving a warning that if you don't get along with each other, it always opens the doors for the enemy to come in. That's why when they came to Jesus, they said, what's the greatest of all the commandments and jesus said to love god with all your heart but to love your brother also on these two every law is fulfilled every law 613 laws given to the jews on mount sinai and every single law from kosher law to cleanliness law to whatever all of that points to remind us of two things love god and love each other we say we love god and we don't love our brothers then we say god says we're liars and the truth is not in us what does that mean if i don't treat somebody kind if i say oh god i love you but i'm mean to you then god's truth can't get in me therefore if you bring your gift to the altar and therefore remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift and go your way First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Pentecost is not only the Holy Spirit, but it's the wisdom of God. It's not just the wisdom of God in serving him. It's the wisdom of God in how to receive prosperity for the whole rest of the year, right? This Sunday, God begins the journey for your abundance and my abundance and our our financial prosperity as well as our spiritual prosperity for the whole rest of the year. In Jewish prophecy, it's right before the Messiah. It's these Gentiles who will put the desire of these things in their heart. And these Gentiles who begin to understand these things will never go through a valley financially again. That they will become God's bankers. We know that the mercy of God is fresh every morning. The Jewish people believe that also even before Jesus that they could come before the Lord, not just on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. They could come before the Lord any day. They could come before the Lord on the Shabbat, and his mercy would be there. He would forgive them. Ancient Jewish wisdom says you come before the Lord, but when you come to ask God for forgiveness, you bring an offering with you. And the teaching is, is God wants you to realize that every time we sin, it costs. And every time someone sins, hurts someone, gossips about someone, the world tears. Ancient Jewish wisdom says every one of you, every one of us, is a needle in God's hand. And when we do good to each other and we do good to God, we are mending a torn world. And then one day, we will do enough kindness towards each other that it will tip the scales. God says something here that we miss because we're not taught to read Hebrew. He says, you come before the Lord and you bring your your offering, but you remember that your brother has something against you. 
if I sin against God, I did something and I sinned against God, then I would bring my offering and I would say, God, forgive me. And God would forgive me. But if I sinned against you, and I come, and I know I've sinned. I've, I've gossiped about you. I've ripped you off. I've hurt you somehow. And I come, and I say, God, forgive me. God says, I can't forgive you. If you sin against me, I can forgive you. But if you sinned against your brother, leave your offering and go to your brother and make it right. Go to your brother and make it right. If you know that you are supposed to make it right and you don't and that brother or sister dies then the curse is never fully broken off of your life you're forgiven jesus will forgive you but the curse is never fully broken because you didn't make it right with your brother when i was reading this and studying this It made me think of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, God says concerning Abraham, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, God says, now listen to this, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Now remember, the Jews are the apple of God's eye. The Jews are the center of the eye of god you you can poke a person in the arm poke them in the stomach and god loves everybody we're all a body jointly fit together but the jews are the pupil of god's eye that has never changed but what has the church done most of you know what happened in brazil when these catholic priests got up and said we repent for what we've done the spanish inquisition jews were by the tens of thousands by the hundreds of thousands were tied to a stake and burned alive ordered by the church the portuguese and all their property stolen all their stuff stolen and those who survived forced into catholicism the portuguese inquisition they fled portugal and the same thing happened to this day in 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 portugal you can go into the town squares where and there here's the here's the church and here's the stone pillar that's still black from the burning of jews burning of jews in the name of jesus you look at the holocaust now the number we get in the holocaust is six million jews were killed the real number the real number is probably 15 million to 18 million because if you go to if you go to israel with us and you go to yad vashem there's an area down there that we go before we go in the museum and it's these big some of you've been with me these big stone like canyons and they're they're names of whole villages in the ukraine and in russia that are gone that were jewish towns and jewish villages and were wiped out no no records so we have records of six million jews being killed we don't know how many other millions that there's no records of 
when Tiz and I went and preached in the Ukraine, uh, went and preached for this huge church of 10, 15,000 people, and the Jewish community came, and they said, we know you love Israel, we know you, you teach the, the, the Jewish roots, come. And they, and they took us to this place, it's a very famous place in history, uh, that on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, while the, and weren't even soldiers, there was a handful of soldiers, they were volunteer citizens, marched 28,000 Jewish men, women, and children to this ditch and shot them, volunteered, brought their own guns and shot them and then buried them down on Christmas Day while they sang songs about Jesus. Now, how could this happen? Well, history says that the, the basis of not only the inquisitions and the holocaust but all the programs and all the torture and all the suffering the basis of that the platform of that is the preachers teach the jews killed jesus god says to anyone if you bless my people i'll bless you but if you curse them i personally will curse you why don't we see the miracles that we should see why don't we see the outpouring of god's power why don't we see the blessings that we should see that jesus said do you see the things that i did greater shall you do why don't we see them because we're functioning under a curse everything god does is two ways physical and spiritual the iniquity the curses of the fathers are passed down from generation to generation you're just like your dad you're just like your mom you're just like your grandparents that's why you see so many people that their dad was an alcoholic they become an alcoholic or their dad had anger they become anger but understand not only do we inherit the curses of our physical father that the blood of jesus has broken but we've inherited the curses of our spiritual fathers remember when they came walking out of the temple and they saw the blind man and the disciples said to jesus why is this man blind for something he did or something his father did the fathers have eaten sour grapes the scripture says but the children's teeth are set on edge we can break the curse of alcohol we can break the curse of anger we can break the curse of poverty we can break the curse of illegitimacy we can break that curse but tonight let's break the spiritual curse we hear all the time to this day you hear it on the radio you hear it on the, the jews killed jesus why do we say that do you know in the didache the didache is the apostles creed that the church functioned on for 325 years until the council of nicaea when the when the gentiles got together and said okay how do we turn everybody away from from jerusalem towards the roman empire for 325 years, Jews were never mentioned in the death of Jesus. Jews were not blamed for the death of Jesus. Pilate was blamed for the death of Jesus. Crucifixion is not a Jewish thing. Crucifixion is a Roman thing. So why do we say the Jews killed Jesus? Why don't we blame all the Italians? Why don't we persecute all the Italians for killing Jesus? The reality of it is, is nobody killed Jesus. Jesus said, no man takes my life. In a moment of time, he could have called a legion of angels and they could have stopped him. 
right? Nobody took, nobody killed Jesus. Satan wanted to block the blessing for 2,000 years on the church. So they came up with the doctrine, let's blame the Jews for killing Jesus. Because of what two or three Jews did, then we have to blame a white person, we have to blame all the white people. If you're Mexican, we have to blame all the Mexicans. If you're black, we have to blame all the blacks. If you're women, do you see, do you see the point I'm making? Why does the devil do that? You know, when you go through the airport today, because of terrorists, they'll stop. I've seen them stop 75-year-old ladies with pink hair and their husband with plaid Bermuda shorts and white knee socks because they're afraid of profiling. But it wasn't blue-haired old ladies that blew up 911. If we're so anti-profiling, why does the church profile Jews as the ones who killed Jesus? Do you know anti-Semitism is higher today in the world? It's higher today in the world than it was at the time of Hitler. The Jews killed Jesus. We're the new Israel. God's done with the Jews. We are not the new Israel. When Jesus comes, he's not setting up his temple in Dallas. When Jesus on Passover came riding in on a donkey, they were lined up by the tens and tens of thousands. It's Passover, waiting for the Lamb of God. And the Bible says they're waiting for a lamb. They saw Jesus and they saw the lamb. And they began to shout by the thousands, Hosanna, Hosanna. The Messiah. Then the Bible says a few days later, they arrested Jesus at night. Lest there be a riot. If they're talking about 11 guys against the Roman Empire, that's not a riot, it's a bar fight. They arrested him at night, lest there be a riot. Because the multitudes acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah. History's lied to us. So when we bless Israel, there's a real blessing. But when we try the best we can to make amends for what they've gone through because of what the church has taught, I'm telling you, I believe in all my heart that God is going to truly open over us the windows of heaven, not only financially, but spiritually in a way that the church has not seen happen for 2,000 years. Remember what God says. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to do. But but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Find out what God's doing and get involved with it. When I read this and God started putting these pieces together and speaking to my spirit and saying there's been a ceiling on the church. And we need to stand up for Israel. We need to remember what Paul the the apostle said to the church in Romans 10 and Romans 11. Don't you get puffy. Don't you think you're something. You're the royal branch that's grafted into them. They are the root. They are the root. And what did God say? He said they were cut off in part. Not cut off from God, but they're cut off in part for your sake. So the world would have the gospel taken to them. 
But he said, if you think you're blessed now, just, just wait, wait till you see what happens when we become the one new man. And I believe this is one of the greatest ways that God has spoken to us to be a repairer of the breach. To go and tell the people, you know what, that may have been done to you, but that wasn't done by Christians. It's history in the making, and we all get to be a part of it. Amen?